to episode two of Winston Smith's Diary. Get ready, grab your diary and your pen, get to the side of the telescreen there, tuck yourself in the corner, and let's, let's do this. This episode, I'm going to jump right into it, is going to be about COVID-1984. I think that's pretty uh, easy to apply to what's going on today, so I'm going to do my best to aggregate the research that I've done over the past year and a half You know that we've been going through this. Um, so I want to start with a thanks to all the people, you know, that I've been following that have done amazing work on this that I'm trying to collate into my kind of overview here within an hourish time period. So if you want to dig into some people that have done amazing work, I would recommend uh, James Corbett, uh, The Last American Vagabond, which is uh, Ryan Christian, uh, Jason Burmis, Derek Bros, Whitney Webb. And then we got, you know, some kind of um, people in the, in the medical community, definitely uh, RFK Jr., Del Bigtree of thehighwire.com, Dr. Mercola, uh, Mickey Willis, who did the Plandemic series, and uh, Judy Mikovits, who was in, was in both of those, um, you know, videos. I'm going to do my best to kind of uh, compile stuff that I've, I've gathered from those people doing incredible work on this. So... Let's start, if we can, about la you know a year and a half ish ago. We, you know, I, I, re I recall when this was just building up, and there were these things coming out of China, and there was this global uh, death rate prediction of around three and a half percent, is what I recall was the was the was the number that was being thrown out as the fatality rate that we could expect, which would equal you know millions of people around around the world. Uh, which I think, the, yeah, their numbers do say that, but we'll get into that. But um, the initial scare tactic was 3.5% was how many people, once this spread, were going to drop dead from it. So we all know that's very, very far, even if you take their false data, it's very, very far from what actually happened. Um, and one, one story I do recall from that time period is the there's a guy, guy named Neil Ferguson who was um, in the UK. He was kind of like the British, uh, I don't know if he's a doctor or just a statistician or, you know, but he made, he, he built the models. He built the, the models on how many, you know, people to expect to die. He put out these projections for Britain that were going to say multi-millions and this is the end of the world. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And, and this very same guy, after the lockdowns were instituted in the UK, was uh, was caught making a booty call to his married lover. So he had a little mistress girlfriend who was married and I think had a family as well. Um, so this guy who made these projected numbers for this awful uh, fatality rate that we're all supposed to be 
afraid of, uh, violated the lockdown rules within the first month or two to go uh, make a booty call to his married girlfriend. So that's just the initial, you know, one one example of hypocrisy that pervades this whole narrative, this whole story. Um, it's endless. The hypocrisy and the failure of logic and reasoning and common sense throughout this whole operation is just, it's vast and never-ending. So we're going to get into some of those. Uh, yeah, if we so if we go back to the beginning as well, if you remember the the two weeks to slow the spread, right? That's what we were told. We're just going to kind of, you know, shut things down and let the hospitals and the healthcare workers not be overwhelmed with, you know, people coming to the hospital and beds and all this kind of thing. And there's been a lot of work done where people are actually showing that, you know, these hospitals, well, again, it's not, it's not a 100%, but there's been a lot of work done to show that many hospitals were almost empty. Um, and then you have the, the kind of disappointing phenomenon of all these dancing, dancing nurse videos. Um, yeah, that's not, I'm not a fan of the dancing nurses. So, I mean, everybody seems to succumb to, you know, they want their 15 seconds of fame on the internet now with TikTok and Instagram and whatever, whatever they're doing these videos for. But, um, but yeah, that's, I don't, yeah, I don't think that was helpful, that whole, that whole thing. Also, within the, um, in the early days, there were, it was the issue of hospitals getting paid pretty big sums of money to mark a COVID case, a COVID patient, uh, a COVID, someone putting them onto a ventilator. I believe if they had a case, it was about 13 grand and on up to, if they put a person on a ventilator, which is effectively a death sentence, then I think they got 39,000. Was um, so there's a, a monetary incentive to report these statistics to inflate them, and um, so that's that's definitely one red flag, and that's just the beginning. That's one little red flag that starts out. Um, the big, I think, to me, the crux of this whole bullshit operation, the total. If if I could try to communicate to a the average person who believes all this and is all about. Uh, masks and vaccines and distancing and lockdowns, et cetera, et cetera. And I've tried to with varying success, but if I could, if I could communicate to a person the, you know, the, the smoking gun or the building seven or the, the, the beginning to, to give him a perspective of what's going on here, it's the PCR test. This is the test that's being used for the case demic, for all these numbers that justify shutdowns. It is 100% arbitrary. It is 100% manipulated to get the results that they want. And I'll try and give a basic explanation of this, but the PCR test, which was invented by Kerry Mullis in the 90s, I believe, he won the Nobel Prize for it. It takes a tiny amount of biological material down to the molecule and essentially just doubles it, doubles, doubles over and over again. It repeatedly makes more of a tiny bit of something so that you can make enough of something to measure. And there's a generally accepted number of cycles, amplification cycles, where they take a sample. A lot of doctors, some, some would say 20 to 25 is the consensus of a lot of doctors that actually work with this and don't have an agenda to inflate the stats, whereby you 
amplify the sample to get an accurate reading of the actual load of virus that's in there. Once you get to, and by the, the actual words of Fauci himself, once you get to 35 cycles or more, you have nothing but dead nucleotides, okay? So right there, the guy that we're listening to, Mr. Von Fauci, the Lord Health Czar that we're all supposed to listen to and ruin our lives for, says that anything over 35 cycles is meaningless. It's a false positive. It's dead nucleotides and nothing more. There's not enough viral load viral load to be contagious or get anyone sick, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all the labs in the U.S., there's about six or seven main ones, are using either 37 or 40 cycles. And this is very easily verified public information that you can look up. So from the mouth of Mr. Lockdown Vax himself, Fauci, anything, any of these tests being used over 35 cycles is meaningless, is a false positive. Yet, all the labs, anytime they quote X number of new cases and a case demic, oh my God, we gotta stop the spread, all that is based on 100% bullshit, fraud, lie of this PCR test. And that that's it. So, and so you would, so that means you take the number of cases is over 90% false positives. And it also means that the deaths that they have counted are over 90% false. And the deaths, for, they, for a while, they were being, they, it, certainly in the beginning, there was an announcement made by the public health uh, official, she, I forget her name, she was uh, when Trump was there. But there's several recordings and reports that they say, um, if, you, you know, if you got in a motorcycle accident, um, and you had a positive COVID test within 30 days before that. So, you know, you got a motorcycle accident, you flew off and broke your back on a, on a you know, telephone pole and you, and you died or whatever. Um, if you had a COVID test a few weeks earlier by this fake PCR bullshit, then you would be marked a COVID death. So again, they're inflating numbers at every single step. So the PCR test is the fundamental thing to really grasp and Hopefully, if we can get you know that into one step closer to mainstream knowledge and, and discussion, maybe some real you know some real truth can be can be acknowledged. But I'm not sure what the what the chances of that are. The uh, the Wuhan lab theory is getting a lot of attention lately. Um, I recall you know about a year ago when there were there were different independent. Um, journalists and doctors or, and, and online personalities reporting this theory that, um, that this virus did not actually come out of a bat market, but that it, it shows signs of being modified in a lab. It shows the earmarks of a virus that has been modified, meaning that people experienced in virology and, and molecular biology can look at this, can look at the actual structure of it, and they can see there's a piece of HIV there. There's a, if you look at the SARS virus from 15, 20 years ago, there's an evolutionary that cannot happen naturally. It's like if they were, to someone experienced, if I could try and explain it, it's like looking at, you know, if you see, if you see a horse and it has like an alligator's tail and it has lion's paws and it has three horns coming out of its head um, and it has a purple tongue that shoots fire out of it, you know, then you're gonna say, well, it 
the body kind of looks like a horse, but the rest looks like it's been it's been glued together in some Frankenstein manner. So there are numerous, numerous doctors, virologists, scientists that look at the structure of this, and they can say with a very good deal of certainty that it is it's been manipulated in a lab. But what I do think about the lab theory and it and it becoming the popular narrative now is I think it is it is quite likely a red herring because it builds in the belief in an indirect way that oh my god this is a deadly bioweapon so it looks like it is man-made but we know that the death rate that they've been trying to scare people with is total bullshit so my focus right now when this is the mainstream narrative is to look at it skeptically because like I said it's being used in a subliminal way to reinforce the thought that this is an incredibly dangerous virus to everyone when it really is the most dangerous to people who are elderly overweight with comorbidities aren't eating right don't have vitamins minerals aren't getting vitamin C D sunlight exercise etc so the those are the people that we should look at protecting and, and they should look at protecting themselves. This whole, this, this lab leak theory pushes this whole narrative that, th that it's this incredibly deadly thing and it actually is far, far, far less deadly than it is being pushed to justify ruining everyone's life, to justify lockdowns and masks and vaccines and all this bullshit. So let the lab theory percolate into in the, um, in the mainstream and let Fauci go down. That would be great just to, so he can fuck off. That'd be wonderful. I don't have to look at or listen to him anymore. Uh, we'll get into some of the details of him later, but um, yeah, let's, let's focus on the way this is being used to take all of our freedoms and what it has done to ruin people's lives across the globe. Uh, another interesting tactic that's, that's being used is, is, is there are just these, new rules, new uh, new standards to live by that have come out in this past year plus of all this that really didn't, were never applied before in general, you know, kind of disease uh, methodology or ideology, you know. So we have, there, you know, new rules, as, new rules for recording deaths from and with, which went over, you know. So usually if, uh, if we're, we have a pandemic, we don't have to mix up data to say that if you had a test within some other horrific death, then, then you're positive, right? That's never been implemented before. And there are, I've seen, I mean, my own experience, there's uh, several doctors, you could consider this anecdotal, but this should be investigated deeply, is that several doctors were instructed to fill out death certificates in a new way that they never had been before. Like I said, with the example of the the motorcycle rider, if you fall off a ladder, if you, you know, you have a heart attack or whatever, if there is a COVID test that can be pasted in there somewhere on a death certificate, there's a, there's an established methodology of how you fill it out, the cause of death, and then there's another section for, you know, contributing factors, other ailments, et cetera, et cetera. And there is a, there are totally new directives on how to fill out death certificates and several doctors have, have attested to this. So that should be, there should be a comprehensive investigation on that and see how widespread this was. Um, another another new, uh, new rule that never really applied before was the, the, the definition of herd immunity, right? 
So herd immunity, as, as I understand it, is the enough of the population being exposed to a disease, either getting sick or not, either their body uh, fights it and has some sickness and then it then it defeats it, or or they're just or they're just you know or they get the disease and they're not really affected by it. But either way, their immune system takes it on, it defeats the virus, and they live their life. So after that period, they're not going to spread it. So that's and then then you get that in, in enough of the population that their natural immunity has defeated a pathogen or a sickness, and when they do, that mean that's that constitutes herd immunity. It's natural immunity. Now they literally have changed that definition where they include vaccines, where they include medical interventions and and these mRNA cocktails. So they've literally tried to change the definition of herd immunity. Herd immunity is natural immunity. It is not established by a pharmaceutical product. That is a new, a new thing, a new idea that they're trying to push as reality. And it's really, really absurd. Uh, and there's also a new definition of what a vaccine is. So if you look at these mRNA Pfizer, Moderna, uh, Johnson Johnson works a little different, I believe, but um, a vaccine, if you define it, is actually a either a little, a dead piece of a pathogen or an attenuated, you know, essentially like watered down amount so that it theoretically shouldn't make you sick. It's enough of a sample for your body to engage with it, create antibodies and T cells to fight it and then gives you immunity. So it's a little piece, a little piece of last year's flu or whatever. Your body kind of learns what it is, and that's how a vaccine works. That was the definition up until 2020. Now we have what is essentially gene therapy. It is They're not vaccines. They are using mRNA to produce proteins in your, spike proteins in your body, and we're all supposed to go, Oh, it's the, you know, isn't technology great? Isn't Bill Gates, Bill Gates and these uh, big pharma people, they've just made the, the most incredible achievement in, in modern medicine and technology without testing. And, and we're all supposed to say, yay, isn't technology a great savior? And we don't have to think, in, you know, logically at all and just, just shoot this into our arm, you know. So that's a whole new narrative and concept that's being pushed that to me doesn't make any sense at all. Um, also a new idea is quarantining healthy people, right? So this this lockdown telling, you know, and this whole thing of asymptomatic spread and telling people that they, if they're not sick, they don't have any symptoms, we should lock ourselves in our homes and not go and live our lives and go to uh, a restaurant or, or any kind of social function or gathering or even play outside people you know masks outside and all this stuff you know this whole idea of asymptomatic spread is I'll, I'll just make one direct example um, you know Fauci can be found talking out of both sides of his mouth for almost every issue you know wear a mask masks are important mask work and we've seen in his emails recently, as well as his little interview from March 2020, that, you know, masks don't really give you any protection. I mean, you know, you think, oh, they might protect you from a droplet if, if you're sick and you sneeze. But otherwise, they don't provide it. And then you fast forward and he says, oh, you should wear two masks and three masks. And maybe you should cover up your eyes. And 
that motherfucker can be quoted from, you know, here to, to the end of time, how many times he's contradicted his own words and his own ideas. So the idea that uh, asymptomatic spread being one of them, yeah, there's, a, there's a video of him saying, uh, you know, asymptomatic spread has never been the driver of any epidemic. And then now he says that even though, um, you know, young people or people without symptoms don't think they should have to change these people that don't think they should have to change the way they live. Oh, they actually should because you could get exposed and transmit it without knowing. So, you know, throwing in that little, that idea of, of guilt that we're all going to kill grandma if, if we're, if someone is young and takes care of their own health and wants to make their choice and we're supposed to take this, this new theory of asymptomatic spread. So, that has never been an idea that has been propagated as far as upper respiratory viruses, coronaviruses, flu, this and that. The, this, the, the, the premise of mass asymptomatic spread is just supposedly this new reality that we're supposed to, that we're supposed to accept. Um, and now let's go on to the masks because that's, um, that's a to me, that's a, that's a pretty obvious um, line of bullshit if you just if you just take very common sense stuff right so if you if you just look think in a basic level you're taking a piece of cloth and people have made com comparisons of the actual size of the virus and what you're trying to block if you put this piece of cloth on your face and it's essentially like trying to uh th you know if you're going to throw sand at a chain link fence and think you're going to you know you might stop a couple of grains i mean that's the that's kind of the, the, the physical difference of the opening, the openings within your typical uh, cloth masks or the little blue plastic masks and all this stuff. Um, N95 is apparently better, but even, even still, it doesn't provide any real meaningful protection from some microscopic virus if you're able to breathe through it. I mean, the air is coming out around the perimeter for you to actually breathe and not suffocate means there is an exchange of air in and out of some degree. I mean, you're trapping these masks. I mean, essentially they trap this little, you know, this puddle of mildew and bacteria and, and petri dish on your face, right? I mean, that's what it does. You're you're accumulating everything you're exhaling and you're just kind of gluing it together in this little nasty stank breath <laughs> trap, this diaper on your face. And we're supposed to think that is healthy um, and it's really going to block these tiny 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 particles of the virus when when really it is about the masks to me or and to a lot of people are about conformity it's about just obeying this rule we're going to put this on your face we're going to dehumanize you take away the communication that we have as human beings looking at each other's facial expressions and hearing our voice clearly <coughs> and just making everyone into these, you know, half-human NPCs walking around, covering their face and not being able to communicate. And so it's all, it's about just saying, obey, even though you know that this makes no sense. Again, this goes back to, to 1984 directly, double think. And uh, the last rule, the last, what's that? The most important rule of the party was to to deny your eyes and ears. That was the final and most essential victory, right? 
So if we look at masks from a basic common sense perspective, it's so completely absurd. Uh, there are plenty of videos showing people, so they put on the mask, they put on you know, a cloth mask, a blue plastic one, they put on N95, and they take a little vape, they inhale vape, or in equal demonstrations, people in, I've seen videos of people in really cold weather. You know, when you go outside and it's really cold outside and you can see your breath, right? They both illustrate the same thing. When you have the mask on and you breathe in and out, it just kind of puffs it, uh, you know, up in, in a, you know, kind of in a vertical direction instead of directly forward. But once it puffs out, it just expands and there's really no difference. So the whole, the whole premise of it on every angle is, to me, completely foolish and it's um it's very sad that people um use it as a as a virtue signal and, and a lot of people are actually afraid and they think it does something and that's upsetting too but um it's been proven by any common sense standard and and there's been you know there were dozens of studies before the year 20 before 2020 when it was politicized into this you know fear campaign there were dozens of studies by you know, medical established medical authorities doing trials and this and that, talking about masks and how effective they are preventing upper respiratory infections. And there's no data to show that it makes any significant difference at all. Like the best you could scrape before it became a political tool was that um, maybe there's a couple percent and that's, and that's even in the minority. So there's absolutely no amount of data to warrant any kind of mass mask usage and rules at all. It is just, it's about control. It's about do what you're told and don't question and don't think, okay? Um, and, and along the line of, of mass, I'd like to ask any of those or if you know people that are uh, really dedicated maskers, if you're, if you're so consumed with how important it is are you really are you are you is anyone worried about all the masks we see uh lying on the sidewalk and on the gutter and you know i see them in the park i see them in any just about any public setting it's some crusty nasty mask that people just threw does anyone does anyone care about the litter does anyone care about all these masks going into landfills going into ocean and killing all the marine life that we see just when you see all these horrific pictures the same way you see these pictures of plastic bottles and you know all the all the trash that we produce that gets it gets into the the rivers the lakes the waterways the streams the, the oceans essentially gets out and just pollutes everything so you know i see i see mass everywhere just thrown out littered and if you really wanted to go along with the narrative that this is just this incredibly infectious super deadly virus why wouldn't there be you know, biohazard bins or something similar. So if so, if we're all using our masks and we're disposing of them properly and using them properly, why wouldn't there be special bins to, to contain this, right? I mean, that would that would seem to come in line with it. But no, we see people. I mean, we all seen people in their cars when they have three or four sitting on their rear view mirror. We're all you know they're all reusing them. So it's pure pure theater, pure compliance, and pure bullshit. It doesn't do anything but dehumanize people. So anyone out there who's on the fence, I submit to you, masks are a waste of time, effort, 
and it only dehumanizes and disconnects us from our natural human interactions. Then we go to, let's go to, uh, to lockdowns, which also have no data to prove that telling everyone to stay inside and not live their lives and not go to restaurants and public events and this and that. Um, again, when you, you know, they always, they always try to throw in the fake case numbers to, to justify this, but they don't work. And one, one kind of study that I'd like to refer to here is, uh, it's by the American Institute for Economic Research. This is from November 13th, 2020. And it says, even a military-enforced quarantine can't stop the virus, study reveals. So what they did, I'll, I'll read the kind of um, the synopsis here in a minute. But they, they, in a military setting, they adhered to the most rigorous militant uh, standards and procedures to lock down. And essentially came up with no appreciable difference in the control group who didn't lockdown and follow these. So I'm just going to read a little piece from this article. <clears throat> all recruits wore double layered cloth masks at all times, indoors and outdoors, except when sleeping or eating. All practiced social distancing of at least six feet, were not allowed to leave campus, did not have access to personal electronics and other items that might contribute to surface transmission, and routinely washed their hands. They slept in double occupancy rooms with sinks, ate in shared dining facilities, and used shared bathrooms. All recruits cleaned their rooms daily, sanitized bathrooms after each use with bleach wipes, and ate pre-plated meals in a dining hall that was clean with bleach after each platoon had eaten. Most instruction and exercises were conducted outdoors. All movement of recruits was supervised, and unidirectional flow was implemented with designated building entry and exit points to minimize contact among persons. All recruits, regardless of participation in the study, underwent daily temperature and system screening. Six instructors who were assigned to teach platoon work to each platoon worked in eight-hour shifts and enforced the quarantine measures. If recruits reported any signs or symptoms consistent, consistent with COVID-19, they reported to sick call, underwent rapid PCR testing, and were placed in isolation pending the results of testing. Instructors were also restricted to campus, were required to wear masks, were, were pro provided with pre-plated meals, and underwent daily temperature checks and symptom screening. Instructors who were assigned to a platoon in which a positive case was diagnosed underwent rapid PCR testing, and if the result was positive, the instructor was removed from duty. Recruits and instructors were prohibited from interacting with campus support staff, such as janitorial and food service personnel. After each class completed quarantine, a deep bleach cleaning of surfaces was performed in the bathrooms, showers, bedrooms, and hallways in the dormitories, and the dormitory remained unoccupied for at least 72 hours before reoccupancy. So you have the most complete, strict, like disciplined, insane, nuts approach to a lockdown of any kind of grouping of people living in, in, a, in a structure, okay? And the results... There were, was about, um, when, they, when they checked the infection rate, the, it was, the difference was a couple percent. It was almost nothing. Actually, the people who didn't, the control group who didn't participate in that militant bleach, separate, all that stuff, was a little percent. They had a, little, a couple percent lower infection rate. 
Um, so essentially, that that whole thing, just as a just as a really concise example of lockdowns and the uselessness of um, what what we've all gone through for the past year and a half, that's just uh, that's just a, a a home run right there. They don't work. I mean, you look at Texas and Florida. You look at all the states that locked down crazily you know california and new york being the two shining examples of just utter tyranny uh, and then you look at florida and texas who for the most part just lived their lives was very loose if not non-existent in some areas of mass and lockdowns and kids were going to school and all this and there is no there is no real compelling case to make that lockdowns even again, using the fake PCR numbers, there is no data to present that says lockdowns made any appreciable significant difference on any statistical measurement. So we've been put through masks and lockdowns for no fucking good reason. That's, 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 what, I'm, that's what I'm saying here. Um, and then we look at these different states and all the governors who uh, implemented these draconian bullshit rules. Obviously, uh, Gavin Newsom's the, the shining example of that. Um, not letting anyone in California live their life, but he goes to he goes to a super three hundred dollar um, a, a plate, you know, exclusive little dinner club in Napa Valley somewhere. Um, with there with twelve people and no masks, and they're just sitting around the table having a good time, having a nice dinner, and um, and. Meanwhile, he's just you know ruining everyone else's lives and their businesses and all that. So there's there's plenty of examples of that, but he's obviously you know um, to me the shining example of just scumbaggery and, and hypocrisy that we see um, in a lot of uh, of our so-called elected officials and, and leaders that apparently really give a shit about our health and well-being. Uh, another another big topic obviously is the systematic you know removal censorship and denial of any therapeutic medications or treatments other than these the, the mass distancing lockdowns and vaccines right that's the road they want to take it so anything that goes contrary to that is shut down censored and 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 eliminated and anyone who might even suggest any alternate approach is quickly censored and penalized and ostracized, right? So if we go to the treatments or lifestyle habits that could improve someone's chances of, you know, just getting through without being sick or anything especially dramatic happening to them, such as, you know, people who are who are not especially overweight. Uh, I think there is the the number is 78% of people who were hospitalized or died from COVID were, I uh, forget what metric they put on it, whether it was body mass index, it might be might be body, body mass index of, of 30, uh, meaning they're fairly substantially, they're, they're not just a little overweight, they're a fair amount overweight. Um, the average age is, in a lot of countries, is older than the average lifespan. So in Britain, I think the average age of death is 80 or 81. Um, you know, and and all they obviously all had a lot of uh, the comorbidities, right? They have other issues, very, very dramatic health issues that make them vulnerable to this disease. So 
the narrative that we have no other, for the narrative that basically relatively young and relatively healthy people don't need to worry about this has been, has been characterized as utter deception and evil and, and, and psychopathy that, that anyone would even suggest that doesn't care about grandma. So, but there are vast amounts of information out there. So I'm gonna start with some of the treatments. So early on, hydroxychloroquine was mentioned by a lot of doctors, but then Trump mentioned it. So it was automatically attacked that nothing, nothing he says can possibly be true. So it must be really crazy talk if he even mentioned it. But there's tons of data to show that hydroxychloroquine along with zinc, especially early, knocked it out of a lot of people. Uh, and it is the data that they tried to, I believe there was a Lancet study that came out and said, oh, hydroxychloroquine is dangerous. But if you look into it, the dosage that they recommended and how they used it does not align with the common practice that is put out there by people who recommend it as a treatment. So if it is used early the, in the appropriate dosage, along with zinc, and there's another, there's another, there's another medicine that's that's it's in there that is used along with it and people had a, a lot of success clearing up symptoms people were people were good in a, in a day or two and and people had success using it as a prophylactic so if they took a, a dose you know once a week or once every two weeks it just it helped pretty much um you know immunize them in a way and this information was was just censored ridiculed thrown out as conspiracy theory, et cetera, et cetera. But there's plenty of data to show it. And there's actually a study from the NIH in the year t from 2005 that I imagine um, that I imagine Fauci is aware of, considering it came, it's in an NIH medical journal that says uh, chloroquine is a potent inhibitor of SARS coronavirus. And this is from 2005. Um, and, then, and then Fauci tried to come out later and jump on this narrative that Oh, hydroxychloroquine is actually dangerous. It can cause all kinds of problems. It's bad, bad, bad. Don't use it. Don't use it. Um, and even more so than hydroxychloroquine is ivermectin. So again, there's, there have been doctors that, uh, there was a doctor who testified in Congress in December, and there's a news article that it was censored from YouTube. He said, I've had amazing results with ivermectin, both as a prophylactic and as a treatment. So ivermectin is the closest thing we have to a wonder drug for this disease. It, it is essentially better <laughs> at, at preventing the spread and is, and is an, it is an effective treatment. And, but, the, but the drawback is, you know, it only costs, uh, it's very cheap um, and it's very widely available. And it doesn't put billions and billions and billions of dollars into Big Pharma and, and Bill Gates' pockets. So that's the, big, that's the big drawback is that, yeah, you can't um, you can't just racketeer with it because it's a it's a medicine that's widely used and, and it's, it's you know it's just it's too affordable for all the plebs, so that's the big drawback from the our supposed experts. But again, ivermectin. Uh, there was a doctor who testified in Congress in December, and that testimony was summarily deleted and removed from YouTube. So, and I believe the headline is. Um, YouTube censoring U.S. Congress or something along those lines, which is pretty interesting. Uh, there's also budesonide, which is uh, an inhalable steroid, I believe, which can help clear up symptoms. Um, and that's been censored as well. So I'll post some links with 
a lot of the references I'm making here, just to, if you want to refer to any of those, I'll, I'll put some of the, the most useful kind of concise links and I'll put those in the description. So another, another topic I want to go into is, um, so a lot of people that are, that are following the lockdown orders, the mass, the distancing, all these things, they claim, and you know, actually a lot of people, f they feel like they're doing, they're doing good. They feel like they are, they have the moral high ground. They feel like they're doing what's in the best interest of all of us. And, and then some people, they know it. They know it's not right, but they they want to they want to take that moral high ground anyway. What I like to ask some of those people is, are you concerned when you weigh the the pros and cons of lockdowns or not, and all these measures, distancing, shutting down the economy, weigh that against the 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 risk of the virus that we can we can we can debate the information and get down to what is the actual danger and then we can see objectively what has happened to our economy our society our mental health our you know issues with depression anxiety alcohol drugs domestic abuse child abuse suicide is is off the rails little kids aren't going to school little kids are doing uh pseudo classes in, in laptops which is sad and and fucked up families are separated families are being torn apart by what side they're they're on on this issue i can speak to that 100 percent directly um people are not going to hospitals to get health screenings for cancer or any number of conditions people aren't going to get preventative and 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 you know maintenance checks on their body and and issues you know that's 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 causing how many how many you know conditions and, and sicknesses and illnesses are going to result from that so uh, and and obviously we have thousands of businesses being shut down forever a whole bunch of them kind of um limping along uh we have at this point at least 10 trillion dollars of fake money being printed which is we're already seeing is is going to be massive inflation price of food is going up the price of lumber is, is quadrupled. The price of a lot of these mainstay needs, mainstay commodities that, that make the economy run are being uh, you know, hijacked with incredible prices. We have the biggest upward transfer wealth in modern history, if not, of, if not all history. Um, there's more billionaires than ever. There's more extreme poverty and starvation than ever, all as a result of these lockdowns. And you want me to believe that the people that are instituting these lockdowns give a shit about the health and well-being of any of the regular people out there at all. And you want me to, you want me to accept that they didn't consider the, the risk-benefit analysis in lockdowns versus not and, and the continued insistence on lockdowns. You expect me to believe that they have our, our health and our best interest in their heart? I think that's just incredibly naive and absurd on a basic level. And if you're clinging to that, please let it go. Let it go now. <clears throat> okay, let's get to another biggie. Uh, vaccines. So we're supposed to accept that these are 100% experimental mRNA vaccines. They've never been approved or used on humans before. They haven't gone through animal testing, unless you count the human beings that are being tested right now. They didn't go through standard animal trials. We don't get to know the ingredients. 
the vaccine makers cannot be sued for any liability, so no matter what happens, if you get a horrific, horrific side effect, if you get seizures or Bell's palsy or a thrombosis or a stroke or heart attack or death or any number of miscarriage, abnormal menstrual cycles are happening. I checked the VAERS database today as of uh, June 11th, 2021, and there's over 5,000 deaths. And that's only what's being recorded on the VAERS system. Uh, according to many, many health professionals that are, have firsthand accounts of how, how that data is even recorded, some, some would claim that the VAERS data is only getting between 1% and 10% of the actual cases, of the actual statistics. So that's between um, 10 and 100 times more than the numbers that we see are actually occurring. So right now we have officially on the VAERS, we have over five, I think it's 5,600, 700. So that, that is most likely way, way, way underreported. And there are m many, many, many people suffering horrific reactions and damage and death as a result of this experimental RNA injection. So common sense is out the window. If you were to, if you try and zoom out of the emotion and the and all the the fighting that's going around, and you just say, let's use common sense. It's experimental. Most vaccines go through seven years or more to test to test out and make sure that they're safe and effective. And this goes through six to eight months, and it's never been used before. They're, they have no liability. We don't know the ingredients, and the survival of the virus rate is already in the high 99% range. That, if you just step back and look at that, that is mind-boggling. Why would anyone go for that and not challenge that? Just use common sense. Use your basic instinct and your, your self-interest to, to look at and look at the players involved. This is, on a very basic level, it's, it's beyond wrong and reactionary, and I'm, I'm very concerned for how this is going to play out. Another uh, topic related to vaccines that um, Del Bigtree has done a lot of work on and others is the theory of uh, antibody-dependent enhancement. Or, or it's called pathogenic priming. So the way I understand it is these MRA, mRNA vaccines specifically, when you take them, it goes in to your system. Your DNA sends them, you know, uses the mRNA to build this spike protein that apparently you will develop antibodies against, and that should theoretically defend you. Now, this has been done in the past, perhaps not with RNA, but there have been coronaviruses that were done in the last 10 or 15 years, and they used ferrets as test subjects because apparently they have respiratory systems very similar to humans. And the ferrets that were, that were experimented on had a really good antibody response up front. Everything looked good. And then <coughs> six to 12 months later, when they were confronted with a wild virus that's similar, some, a wild coronavirus, 
they get this phenomenon that is known as antibody-dependent enhancement or pathogenic priming, where the, the vaccine essentially takes over your natural immunity. It produces these antibodies, and it's, it essentially nullifies your own natural antibodies that, that just can adapt, and it, kinda, and it takes front and center stage, and it defends against this very specific strain of, or genetic signature of the virus. And when the natural virus comes in, it essentially is just let, left unfettered to go right straight through because if it has a slightly different signature and it, or it's a natural coronavirus, it will go straight through these synthetic, synthetically produced antibodies from the, from the vaccine. It will go all throughout your system and just penetrate into just about every tissue and area of your body. And then it will start to give you inflammation and you know different, different effects that viruses do and it will be all throughout your body, and then your body will attack itself, and this is called a cytokine storm, and, and then you drop dead. And many, many top scientists, virologists, immunologists are warning about this. Um, and if this is true, we will see incredibly, incredibly bad things in the fall and winter coming up, and I certainly hope it's wrong or it's not that intensely horrific, but I would like anyone and everyone to comment on that, uh, do their research, and see what you think about this prediction. I think I ex you know, explained it as best I could with the, we're all getting our amateur education on, on, on virology, apparently in the last year or so. So I'm going to refer to my sources and if it's interesting to you, please research it and listen and see what you think. And let's all hope that there's not mass death and horrific sickness this fall. And let's just hope it's wrong, but I guess we'll see. So next, let's move on to good old Anthony Fauci. And a lot of people have a general amount of knowledge of him. Uh, I mentioned him before, you know, he's a professional liar, professional bureaucrat for decades. Uh, if you look into his history in the 80s with AIDS, um, a lot of people had a lot of issues with him back then. He is a transparent snake liar. He'll say anything at all at any time to further his interest at the moment. Again, there should be a nice video of him going back and forth. Uh, but as far as recent events, he's apparently getting um, some heat because uh, Rand Paul took him to school a couple times just asking him basic questions about, you know, is the mask theater? He said, no, it's not theater. It's, it's not theater. And then uh, later on, he said, yes, I admit that if you're vaccinated, it's, you don't really have to wear one. There's not really any point. So one way, flip-flop the other way. Um, then Rand Paul asked him about the um, gain-of-function research. He said, we did not do it. We did not do it. I believe he perjured himself pretty openly Hopefully he'll be um, held to account for that, but I'm not really going to hold my breath for that. Um, it seems like there, there's a reasonable possibility they'll at least take him out of his, you know, he'll have to step down from his job and not be the, the spokesman. Hopefully enough, even, you know, half asleep people uh, are starting to question his integrity. So we'll see how that goes. But as far as um, he still gets, uh, you know, plenty of cream puff interviews on all these worthless fake big news stations I think it was MSNBC the other day and he said uh, oh all these people attacking me and 
If you question me, you're questioning science. If you attack me, you're attacking science. So he, he now defines him. Anthony Fauci is science. If you dare question him, if you step to Lord Fauci, you are blaspheming science, the almighty pursuit of uh, man and his, his intellect that can alter the world in any way he wants. I mean, it's, all, it's the same technocratic shit the same rule by the you know technological and scientific elite that um, was Eisenhower Eisenhower warned of in his same speech in in beginning of 1961 his farewell address was beware of the influence of the military industrial complex and in that same speech he said our democratic institutions could be overtaken by a scientific and technological elite and certainly Fauci is playing himself as one of those demigods that we should all bow to. And he, the, the audacity and the ego and the narcissism of that motherfucker is beyond comprehension. I mean, good Lord, what a despicable shell of a human. And, man, I would really like to never hear and see from him again. So let's just, let's just hope that he gets... Uh, half of what's coming to him, and at least we don't have to listen to his stupid bullshit um, anymore. Uh, and then, of course, we have Mr. William Gates, Kill Gates, Gil Bates, as some people refer to him. He's um, probably the number one, um, well, he's close to one of the, the number one wannabe technocrat in today's world, right? So just going off my basic knowledge of him and his history... He is the founder of Microsoft. So in the 70s, he essentially, as far as first the creation of Windows, I know that you know he, he worked on different projects in the 70s. Uh, when it comes around to Windows as an operating system and Microsoft starting that enterprise that came to dominate the market later, the, the basic origin story of that is uh, Bill Gates got an interview with IBM only because his mom was on a board of directors of another company who also the the high up at IBM was there. So Bill Gates' mom had a, an intimate, you know, a, a connection with uh, an IBM executive. And she said, hey, my, my son does software. You should talk to him. And they were looking for software for their IBM PC. And it occurred to Bill, he, was, he had enough foresight to know that he wanted to monopolize software, that hardware is one thing, but software is where the money is going to be because he's going to, it's going to be, it's not going to be open source, it's going to be proprietary, it's going to be his. So what he did was he essentially bought MS-DOS off of, uh, I think his name is Gary Kildare or Kilgore, in Seattle, bought this uh, operating system, gave him 50 grand for it, just to, I'm going to buy it outright. Then he sold, leased that or essentially, you know, made an agreement with IBM that, okay, I'm going to make this, this operating system for your machine and I have all the proprietor of all the rights to the software. Um, and there you go. There's the beginning of his empire. He didn't create shit. He took something that someone else already made through his connection that his mom had with IBM sold it to them yet i mean he had good uh, predatory business instinct i mean he knew he at least knew i mean i'll give him credit he knew what the market was going to be and he knew what he was doing and he did it well so okay hats off to you buddy for that but he didn't create jack shit 
Uh, he didn't create Office either. Microsoft did not create Word, Excel, and all this stuff. That was another. Those were applications from another company that he just bought, um, put his moniker on, and, and made his, his own property as well. So if you look at those two, how it built his billions and billions of dollars, uh, he didn't create either one of them. I mean, he was enough of a, of a businessman to, to take advantage, but that's about all he is. So if we move forward to, you know, the, by the end, mid and the end of the 90s, he, had, he actually had a, you know, the U.S. government. He was such an egregious uh, monopolist. He built into the operating system, you know, essentially prevented other web browsing application developers from having their browser run properly. He made Internet Explorer um, essentially function better just because he intentionally tied it in with Windows, et cetera, et cetera, so that other, so uh, Netscape or and or other browser, you know, people would not have a fair, you know, platform to to develop on and to, and to make a competing product. So he was such a an open monopolist that in the late 90s, it was so egregious that uh, he actually got a judgment against him for monopolistic behavior. Very much like the Rockefellers, who is seemingly, um, must, be, must be Bill Gates' hero. His, his father was definitely acquainted and, and worked with different Rockefeller family members and foundations, and they're essentially following in the footsteps of the, um, you know, Rockefeller in the, in the late, 19th and early 20th centuries was a very hated man because he was mega 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 rich like Bezos and, and, and Gates are today and he got a public relations team try to transform his image so he started his foundation and started taking over the education system and then the healthcare system that's pretty much what Rockefeller did Rockefeller and Rockefeller created the essentially what we know as modern day um, big pharma and pharmaceuticals since they came from petrochemicals. So before the Rockefellers got into medicine, there was a lot of, uh, you know, natural healers and homeopathic medicine and herbal remedies. All these, you know, people, they had all these skills that they acquired over decades and more. And Rockefeller essentially took over the American Medical Association, went after any, any and every one of these natural doctors, homeopathic um, kind of health professionals and said, this is quackery. We are now, we're going to buy off the AMA, and, and now you have to go to our medical, medical schools, you have to get our certification, and we're going to incentivize you to pump people with drugs and all this allopathic approach. So Gates is very much following in the footsteps of, of the Rockefellers, and he's the most, you know, the closest uh, <laughs> reincarnation of him. Uh, very similar ethos and approach to, to domination and monopoly monopolizing everything he can. He um, He's recently been revealed that he's the largest uh, owner of a farmland in the United States, over 250,000 acres, I believe it is. Now, why would he want to have huge swaths and the most private farmland in America? Why would a software developer, and now apparently this philanthropist who wants to save the world and improve humanity, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 want to have a majority share of the farmland in America, isn't that deeply concerning to anyone else? Uh, he wants, so now he wants to control food. He wants to tell us we need to eat bugs and eat fake meat and eat Beyond Burgers and Impossible Burgers and Monsanto soaked fake crops with no real nutrients in them. He's telling us it's now our responsibility to eat all this fake synthetic shit because he wants to 
you know, curb uh, too much consumption. He wants to curb the population. He wants to control people's lives and what choices they can make on how they live it. Um, why the fuck does anyone even entertain that from him? I, 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 you know, he, he, I guess he recently has gone down a notch in the public eye because of his divorce, and it's been revealed that he was unfaithful and he had different little mistresses and who knows how real his marriage is you know so so now he's essentially he hasn't been on uh he hasn't been on the tv recently telling us how, how he needs to vaccinate the entire global population um but i guess we'll see he's 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 fallen from grace somewhat but i guess we'll see if if and when he comes back um into the limelight as the public mouthpiece for covid telling us that you know Normalcy only returns when largely vaccinated the entire global population. You know, people like you have a choice. You don't have a choice. Pardon me, that's not a great impression, but it's good enough. So fuck him. Fuck Bill Gates. Fuck Fauci. Fuck all these and everyone like them. So lastly, I want to give a brief overview of a few of the simulations that went and I'll put some again some more notes in the description here because I can't go in depth on all of them I would say if you want a good comprehensive um, understanding of these against James Corbett is awesome last American vagabond but there are several war games ahead of uh, the end of 2019 where there were simulations war games tabletop uh, role-playing exercises where they had all different global stakeholders and health leaders and business people and government officials or, or people standing in in these roles and they play games and they simulated oh what if what if there were a p mass pandemic outbreak of a coronavirus so event 201 is the probably the most well-known one that was put on by the gates foundation and hopkins in uh, i believe it was october of 2019 and it if you look through the the details of how they played this game out it's incredibly similar they you know where the have this hypothetical virus that I believe in their simulation might have come from uh, might have come from South America it might have been Asia as well and it might have come from a pig and anyway they switch a few of the variables around but they it's it's eerily similar and they have a whole fake pr they have they produced this incredibly very high production value you know sim simulated news reports of oh people don't want to wear masks and uh, are we gonna are we gonna use is everyone on board for the vaccine and <clears throat> it's just a pretty eerie um, prediction of what we're going through. Uh, another one was the SPARS pandemic, which came to light in the in the you know, kind of independent media in the last couple of months. It's uh, it was from 2017, and it is hypothetically taking place in 2025 to 2028. But if you look at the sequence of events, it's almost like we're living that one even more, kind of literally. I mean, they talk about. It seems more geared toward uh, the management of propaganda and management of people and how they react and how they how they re you know handle any dissent. Um, they, they have all these t tweets and celebrities and sports figures jumping in to say take the vax, take the vax, take the vax. But in this scenario, as it plays out, the vaccine that they put out ends up having horrific side effects. They then then they they essentially sacrifice. Um, a few of their of their puppet health leaders you know maybe Fauci is the one we'll see but it, but in this scenario it goes pretty much how we've gone um, up until the point where you know a few months after people take the, uh, the vaccine 
there's horrific side effects and horrific health consequences to people who took it. And then public rage starts going against the whole system and they have to sacrifice a few people. Um, and then it, and again, I'll put that in notes. So take, it's the SPARS pandemics. A lot of people have done really good work on it and I'll put it in the notes. Uh, there's another one called Crimson Contagion. Uh, I don't have all the details on that, but again, I'll put a link. Uh, one other interesting one, going back to uh, good old J.D. Rockefeller, the Rockefeller Foundation put out a paper in uh, 2010, uh, one, of one section of which was called Lockstep, where again, they talk about um, a, a worldwide pandemic. People are being quarantined and they, their freedom's taken, and there's a, a much heavier top-down power approach and, and um, authoritarian governmental system being inflicted on people. And not only does it last throughout the pandemic, but this, this top-down control seems to extend and even intensify after the initial danger of the virus. So that's another eerie prediction, and that's 11 years ago. Um, so again, t do your own research, look up these sources, and decide for yourself. But my, so, that, so that's my summation of, of where we are now in the middle of June here in 2021. Just as, a, just as an overview of some of the research that I've done. So if you're not already there on the same page, the, basically what's going on is this has been planned for a decade or more, probably more. Uh, maybe you know they might have had it sitting around and decided to pull it out this year. But what, it, what it's really about is taking away our freedom, taking away our rights, taking away national sovereignty, stomping and shitting and pissing on the, the Constitution of the United States. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big initiation into the world government that they want to bring about. They want us all to have you know, vaccine passports uh, and a biomedical security state, no freedom, no privacy, no, no independent businesses. They want us all on a, on a UBI and you know, if you speak out, if you do the wrong thing, we'll turn off your UBI and you're a slave to the fucking global feudalistic nightmare, World Economic Forum, Great Reset, sh shithole world. That's, that's what they wanna bring about. They want to bring about a feudalistic nightmare where, we have, where our quality of life is almost down to zero and, and you have no freedom, no independent thought, no dissent, no freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom of religion, right to bear arms, due process. They want to stomp out every single fundamental right that we have. Um, and that's what they want to do because they see, quote unquote, democracy or the masses, the useless eaters, as an annoyance, an impediment uh, of, of what, how the efficient system that they want to, to implement. <coughs> they see... Um, representative government and the masses of, of regular plebs people. They see us as pretty much as cattle or mice or whatever, whatever animal you want to throw in there. We are here to be managed because apparently the, the regular person is just dumb and they see themselves as um, higher forms of human, human beings that deserve to rule because they're special, because, because they have bloodlines, because they're because they they think they're the you know a great scientist because they worship technology, they worship all this shit. They worship anything, but what normal people do. So normal people just want to uh, enjoy their life, take care of their family and their friends, 
pursue some kind of passion, hopefully leave some kind of legacy in the world and hopefully make someone else's life better. That's what most, most people want, no matter what your background is, your average person. We all pretty much want the same things, but these people don't. They want more power, more control, and they want us, a lot of us, to be gone, essentially. We're a nuisance, and we are useless eaters as far as they're concerned. And that is a, that is a, 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 the population is a problem that they have been writing about for at least 100 years, probably more. Um, the whole Malthusian idea of, um, you know, as, as society g gains more production and agriculture, uh, population explodes, but the, so, so population explodes way faster than technology can increase production to satisfy. So in the Malthusian uh, ideology, population and its growth is the number one um, problem that they want to solve, you know, so that they think that um, there is no way to live in balance on the earth unless they own and control everything and they pretty much <laughs> get rid of or enslave the rest of us. That's what this is about. It's not about big pharma giving a shit about you or me or anyone um, or the government or corporations or these globalist psychopaths. They really don't give a shit about anyone's health or well-being. They give a shit about power and they're using fear to hammer it into place and we need to spread this information as much as we can, and that's why I'm doing this. We'll see um, if this reaches uh, a dozen people that I've never met before, then that's something. So if, if you're already on, on board with this, if you already realize what's going on, uh, please share this with somebody. And if you're on the fence and you find this interesting, um, please keep listening to the, to the next few episodes. We'll be going, I'm sure we will be revisiting this um, as, as the situation develops along with a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm looking forward to getting some guests on here, doing some interviews, getting some information from people who are really deep versed in a lot of, a lot of topics and a lot of, a lot of different experience. So for right now, I'm just going off a basic uh, overview of what I have, but I'm looking forward to doing a lot more, a lot more different topics and spreading information to as many people as we can to let for people to realize that we don't have to accept this. We don't have to just say, well, uh, it's over and they're gonna inst institute this technocratic uh, dystopia. We, we do not have to just sit there and accept it. So that's what I'm trying to do here. And I hope um, there's a, a few people out there that will listen to this that, that might wanna join in that and, and open, open their mind to, to new information. And hopefully we can you know, build, build an alternative and find like-minded people and we can create something for ourselves that is not subject to these bastards. So wrapping up, um, please